Good evening. You are listening to the Year Now podcast. Today is the end of May, May the 31st, and joining me this evening, I have Bronwyn. Hello. And Mark. Hey. And a special guest, Susan. Hello. Susan who? Do a proper <laughs> introduction, Craig. Uh, Susan Shearer happens to be my wife. Nepotism. What's going on here? You're getting your own wife on the program? This seems like cheating. Can I have my no. wife on the program? You can, but the problem with me being on it is that I'm you know, you're gonna have less downloads this month. <laughs> no, you have to listen to it edited and tell Craig what a good job he did. That's not how my feedback goes. Right. For people who um, may be more familiar or not familiar, Susan is a frequent uh, flyer in terms of our comment section. And by comment section, I mean she tells Craig, gives her, Craig her thought, and Craig feeds back to us about all the things we've done wrong. No, he I, never feeds back, and I have to I, send an email. Yeah, I, I dare her to send an email. <laughs> and what did she do? What kind of email did she send? Well, which one? There's been many, yes. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, so, but we will get to that. Uh, because that uh, carries on from a previous podcast where uh, we talked about MLMs, but we'll get to that. Uh, So tonight um, I was going to talk about um, the recent death of a misinformation, disinformation promoter. His name is uh, Dr. Rashid Batar, uh, and he happened to be a permanent resident of New Zealand, although he didn't die here. Um, so he's originally an American. And in looking up this story, I mean, I'd heard of him in the past, but it's quite interesting sort of reading about him and, and all the discovering all the really <laughs> nasty, awful stuff uh, about him. Um, so he was identified as one of the disinformation dozen um, by the Countering Digital Hate people in the US. So they identified 12 people who were the major promoters of uh, disinformation. Um, and this was, was during the the uh, COVID pandemic, uh, which apparently is still going on, um, not actually over. But he was putting out all sorts of nasty information about uh, COVID, uh, claiming that it was... Uh, designed that the vaccine was going to kill more people than it saved, that uh, everybody who had taken the vaccine would be uh, dead by 2025. So that's still a few years away. So we've uh, we've all had our vaccines. And um, I, I for one, am feeling fairly healthy. Um, So uh, if there are any things that are going to kill me by 2025, it'll be a very quick onset, I suppose. But, yeah, so he, he was... A very young, 57 years old, which happens to be the same age as me. Ancient ancient from my uh, young millennial point of view. (laughs) Even from my middle age perspective, 57 is old. Even from my age, 57 is old. Ah. (laughs) Wow, stabbed from all angles. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Is it the Um, Ides of March? Do we have our dates wrong? Well, we're well well past March. Uh, he he was interviewed on CNN where he talked about all these issues with the vaccine, supposedly, and they did a pretty good job of um, pushing back on all of that and actually supplying the accurate information about the vaccine. Uh, but he actually died, it seems, of something to do with uh, inflammation of the heart, um, so pericarditis or myocarditis, which uh, he blamed on people shedding the vaccine on him because, uh, as is pretty well known, one of the rare side effects of the vaccine is that it can give you heart inflammation issues, myocarditis and pericarditis. But, of course, COVID itself has a much higher rate of those those things. So it would seem likely, but we don't know, that somehow uh, his heart was inflamed from perhaps getting COVID and not being vaccinated. Um uh, I guess as skeptics, we don't like to celebrate the death of people we don't like, but uh, this guy seems to be thoroughly awful. Um, so he was a doctor, a doctor of osteopathy, a DO as they're known in uh, the US, and he was censured by the uh, medical 
licensing board of North Carolina. And when I kind of dug into this, this is back about 2009, and there was this major complaint against him. Basically, he was taking cancer patients and giving them these completely ineffective therapies, including injecting some cancer patients with hydrogen peroxide, which is a pretty awful thing to do. And basically, the, the complaint against him was he was doing all this stuff in order to boost his billings. Um, so he's basically just in it for the money. To me, he's a uh, a thoroughly thoroughly nasty character, and I think we're better off without him. There's an interesting point here, um, which is something that America actually does right, I think. I mean, for all the awfulness of this osteopathic doctor and the fact that as skeptics, we're fairly confident that osteopathy as a whole is pseudoscience. From what I understand, at least in the U.S., osteopaths have to be medical doctors. They have to do their full training as doctors, which sadly is not the case over here from what I understand. I think over here, training as an osteopath is totally different and they don't need that medical background. So much as osteopathy anywhere in the world is nonsense, at least the ones in America have medical training. So it's kind of almost like doubly worse that he he went so weird and pseudoscientific, uh, given mm. that he actually will have had to have had a proper medical background. Yeah, I've listened to uh, the Sawbones podcast where um, uh, Dr. Sydney, what's her name? Anyway, Dr. Sydney on there has talked about the differences between MDs and DOs. And she was basically saying, look, it's osteopathy, which has some pseudoscientific elements to it, obviously, but um, that medical training in the US, people choose the path of either DO or MD, and they're not that much different, and at least, um, yeah, certainly compared to to here, it would seem. But yes, pleased that he's disappeared. Um, I watched the the Anderson Cooper or CNN interview video with him, um, and of course, uh, all the comments on that YouTube video about his supporters saying that he'd been proved right and all these people are, in fact, dying of the vaccine. Not the case, as far as I can see. <sighs> At least in this small population we have here, we're all alive and well after being vaccinated. Yes, I, I think as a committee, um, the skeptics, we've received emails with scary graphs about how many of us vaccinated people are going to die. And these are lines that go up scarily. Um, but so far, all these predictions we've been sent have not come true. We are not dying in droves having been vaccinated. We seem to be surviving quite well. Surely those with the vaccine, there's a 100% chance of dying. Eventually, Just, you it's mean? When. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, so above the baseline then. How, how's that for a qualifier? <laughs> good choice. Mm, very good. Uh, so, Bronwyn, you mm. had an update about ISTA, apparently. Yeah, well, um, I mean, it sort of got inspired uh, a couple of weeks ago when Mark and I went to Anka Richter's book tour. Um, she, sorry, she had a sort of impromptu book talk at Bookhaven in Newtown. And that was, what, Thursday, the 18th? Um, really interesting chance to you know, sort of see Anka from a different perspective. And then a little bit later on the week during one of our skeptics meeting, she showed up, which is really cool. And she gave me a bit of a, a bit of a scoop on an article that she was publishing for, um, for a German uh, website about Ohad Peli, in which she told me, and she revealed in this article that someone in Israel had actually um, gone ahead and made a legal, a police complaint against Ohad Pelly with regards to sexual assault. Now, um, it, that's sort of one part of this update, but for those who aren't familiar with this, it's the International School of the Temple Arts slash Hyden Temple story. Um, Ohad Pelly is an associate of Bruce Lyon and uh, was a financial contributor. Uh, there's strong evidence that he was a financial contributor to Bruce Lyon's purchase of Hyden Manor in Palmerston North in the Manawatu. Um, Ohad himself was a rabbi at one point before getting into sort of Kabbalah and Tantra. He was a, if not exactly a follower in the sense that he lived with Adi Dom Samraj. He was certainly, uh, you know, he was interested, you know, appreciated, respected his works and actually published books by people who were followers, proper followers and devotees of Adi Dom Samraj. However, in a article written by the Israeli newspaper Herz, 
people came forward and made some very serious accusations of sexual assault uh, against Ohad Peli and his uh, various Tantra workshops in Israel. So that's been that's sort of the biggest one that there is sort of an external legal thing going on um, in the background. After I had sort of published my article last year, Radio New Zealand came forward with some pretty big articles um, that sort of highlighted the whole issue with Bruce Mayan, Hayden, and Ista. That's the noise is sort of quieted down, but there has been a mediation process happening with the what was it called the safer a safer sex and conscious communities group that's going together, and they've been sort of going into mediations with the International School of the Temple Arts as well as Hayden. So mm. we're waiting for an update there. Bruce is still traveling the world, as is Baba Robert Nichols, Baba Des. Uh, in particular, we're getting some very interesting moves in the Hayden space with Bruce Lyons. They're opening temples. Um, we knew I knew of one in California, uh, but somehow they've opened up a couple more in the U.S. as well as uh, in Iceland. Hmm. So there's more. That- do you think that this bad publicity they're getting here is actually affecting people wanting to go and join them? No, because uh, one of the things we talked about the last podcast episode was a new podcast that was coming out by ZM called Sex.Life, in which Morgan Penn, who was a former journalist, more so working in the marketing and um, brand campaign side of things. And then she went to go train as a somatic sexologist and had another podcast called The Trainee Sexologist, which she had for a couple of seasons. She's now in this new podcast with Haley Sproul or Sproul. And she's talking about this experience that she had sometime in the past two years of going to what really strongly sounds like Haydn. Hmm. And either doing an ISTA course or some other course, um, having talked with people about what Morgan is talking about in terms of the activities. Some people are like, yeah, that sounds definitely like an ISTA course, or it sounds like one or two ISTA courses. And then other people are like, oh, that sounds like a new activity. We never did that during my time there. So it's a bit Mm. of a mystery. So people are still going. People are still devoted. People are still paying. Mm. So So when do you think we'll have some more sort of updates? Well, the podcast itself is meant to be about 10 episodes. So one episode per day that Morgan was at the school this week, or actually to Wednesday, the 31st was the release of the seventh episode. So we're probably going to at least have another three episodes. And Morgan also has sort of opened up a, a text service so that people can text her questions, whether any of these questions will make it to another podcast episode is unclear, or whether Penn will sort of do a, you know, a consolidating episode where she sort of reflects on these experiences that's mm. up, that's up in the air. So um, once it's all done, I'll write a little article giving my thoughts on all of that, but yeah. So otherwise it's just looking at some of the other projects that Bruce has going on. Um, you know, it, he's been around and he's been doing these sort of schools for so long that now his devotees are moving on, or I should say, um, you know, his, his students are moving on and doing their own things. And in particular, we have a political party, a transnational political party that Bruce is not leading, but certainly is playing a influential role in called Singularity. And the Singularity is a transnational political party that, and it's all word salad. It's always word salad. <laughs> but they describe it as a transnational political party that works towards global governance sourced in the one life at the core of all beings, the earth and all kingdoms of nature by 2050. <laughs> Do you think they'll register as a political party here in New Zealand? Oh, I'd be very interested. I mean, his ex-partner, um, Shakara, was actually a political candidate in the Manawatu for, I think, Advance NZ a couple of years ago. <laughs> or in the last it's election. Always, yeah. It's always gold the way you pronounce Manawatu. Manawatu. <laughs> Get off my back. <laughs> um, so, you know, with the Singularity Party, it's very much a similar structure as we saw in the old version of the International School of the Temple Arts. At present, the International School of the Temple Arts have gotten rid of the Wisdom Circle. Um, Baba Des isn't really listed on the website, yet Bruce Lyon and Ohad Pelly still are as, uh, you know, senior senior teachers or even a preferred facilitator in the case of Ohad. It's, it's very much a watch this space. Are we going to see singularity in the next election? Are we going to see singularity bring on new people? Hmm. I wonder politically, does this have sort of any precedence where um, political parties in New Zealand have been part of a 
sort of overarching transnational political party, as as you say. Can't can't sort of think of any. Although I guess you could say that the, the Labour Party, I guess, is the generally aligned with the broad Labour movement. But same thing with the Conservative Party, sort of aligned with them, yeah. and the Green Party is sort of broadly aligned with yeah. a, a Green Yeah, party. I think there are others. I think there are other parties that are definitely connected to movements. We were looking at last week's Skeptics in Cyberspace at um, what fringe parties there are, and we tried making a list. Bromwin and I, and anybody else that is in Wellington that wants to come along, are planning to do a little tour. Um, when these guys come to Wellington, we're going to try and get across to all their meetings and, and listen to their platforms and see just how weird and wonderful they are. And looking into some of these movements that I'd never heard of before, either parties that are registered or parties that are political parties that aren't officially registered yet or may never be in New Zealand. And yeah, several of them, like the really weird ones, when you looked into them, it turns out there was an international movement and they were either direct connected to or inspired by um and some of them even they just carried the same name as these international movements so i i think like you know the major political parties here and in other countries they they are their own thing and certainly when we look at you know the uh, conservative parties in different countries often they have nothing to do with each other but mm. the the smaller parties and sometimes they're not a party that's ever going to come into a power because they've only got one person standing, one person that for some weird reason has got it in their head that this is their calling in life, is that they are going to get elected to parliament and make a change. Um, and it never grows beyond that one person. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're out there, they're weird and they're fascinating. But it, but also, um, this is going to be the year where Brian Tomicky is going to have another go for the crown himself. Yeah. So for his, would it, what the Freedoms Party now is the new conglomeration Whatever. that he created? But he's put his name to it now, has he, rather yeah. than yeah, just Hannah's ha- name? Yeah. I don't think if you think Hannah's actually kind of officially involved, maybe other than a supporter, it's him and Sue Gray who are sort of leading the charge. So here we are. Are they going to actually be able to harness all the energy that came out of the Freedom Village? If you look at the people who are that person, the one person from Voices for Freedom who is still constantly chalking up the hot trailway. uh, Yeah, yeah, I think uh, they might actually get more than five votes. Yeah, because Brian Tamaki came kind of close to getting into Parliament, must have been at least a few elections ago. But I think the party he had at the time got close to 5%. It was like 4 point something percent. Really? Doubtful that he can do that again. I think the last time I looked after possibly the last election or the one before, from what I could tell, Brian Tamaki and his party got fewer votes than his church members. Um, So not even everybody in his own church voted for his party, let alone anybody external. So if he's not even that popular in his his own church, I I can't imagine he's got a huge chance. Well, I mean, the... the the structure of the church has changed a little bit in the past few years anyways. Like they are closing branches of Destiny Church. So oh, are that, they? Where, where are they closing down? This uh, sounds uh, uh, positive. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they've been, you know, there's been a couple of places that have been closing down in a couple of years. Um, you know, there's places in Wellington. They have fewer, fewer centers. Okay. Well, whether I those I completely members, got that wrong. I've just looked up. In the 2005 election, he got 0.62% of the party vote. Point six two. Okay, yeah, that's, that's probably a long way his from best. Five. Yeah, it's probably his best ever. Um, but Bromin, I'm I, when you say they're closing down centres in Wellington, I'm not sure they've ever owned a centre in Wellington. No, they I mean they, they're, out- they're you know they're close you know by closing down centres like I mean that you know their little parishes like you know the hut, you know they don't I don't know if they're meeting in the hut anymore. They may just be sort of consolidating all their members into one or two places. I don't. It's, it's that. just. It's just been at schools, hasn't it? They've just been meeting in school halls rather than owning their own properties. Yeah, but you can still sort of shut down. You know, you can sort of move your your um, pastors around or pastors leave then that denomination or that church. Yeah. I believe outside of Auckland, it's, it is shrinking. Oh, that's if that is happening, that's nice to hear. I know the, the pastor in Wellington, Mark something, he left a few years ago and I've not seen the new one yet. Really should go back to Destiny Church and try them with their new local pastor, see if he's less xenophobic and homophobic. And I'm like, I got honestly one Destiny Church um, in-person sermon and there was so much hatred in it. I, it was quite surprising that he managed to squeeze all of that into one single sermon. Mm. 
Um, but just one final point about Haydn and Ista before we move on to um, listening to Mark getting his uh, getting his own through his upline. Um, there was an article written by Melanie Early in yeah, just probably the day after I published my bit in the Skeptics newsletter. So that was May 23rd and it was written on the Stuff website. So you can still find it. Quite a nice little article about how Bruce and Haydn and Ista have been using the Hakka in their trainings. Hmm. And the rationale that has been given is that the Hakka is sort of an example of, you know, positive male energy. But um, yet the Hakka that they're using is the same Hakka that the All Blacks use. And I think there's um, some very, you know, in terms of how these sort of, and in terms of how the Hakka works, there are certain permissions and certain people who can use that Hakka. Not everyone can just go off and do the Hakka. So the fact that it's being used in a setting where people, you know, are alleging abuse is quite problematic. Though hearsay from uh, certain sources on the internet and, you know, relatively reasonable um, sources in a sense, but still not confirmed, is that the they got permission from a local Maori Kaumatua. And I know I'm mispronouncing that wrong, um, but I don't think that per- the person who did the consulting was aware of what kind of setting the haka was being used in. And there's been right. other examples of other, you know, Israeli Israeli ISTA teachers using the haka in their in their settings and in their uh, workshops. Cultural misappropriation. Mm. And th- this is such a common theme, isn't it? That privileged white hippies end up just stealing other culture stuff. Bronwyn, I think we might have talked about this before on the podcast, mm-hmm. um, like Native American drums and rain sticks and all these things where the white people who were selling a, like a course to build a Native American drum for $500, they've never been near a Native American person. They have no right to be selling these courses. This is, this is not their culture to be making a, a profit on. And it seems to happen so much. And, and for some reason, they don't seem to feel guilty about it they, they don't seem to stop they act as if it is their own culture right so um i think we've set a bit of a record on the podcast in that at least half of the people on this call are in an mlm <laughs> <laughs> when you say at least half is that exactly half or are you going to tell us about the mlm you've joined recently well actually i'd say 75 percent of the people in this podcast have actually been a member of an mlm at one point or another am i correct yes well, well, correct. Yes, yes yes but have you never robin i accidentally bought products from a group that i didn't realize was an mlm but i've never been a part of an mlm Bronwyn was once MLM adjacent, but she never <laughs> dipped her whole foot in, just a toe. No, I got I got tricked by someone who signed me up for uh, drop shipping or automatic Sorry. shipping, automatic shipping. If you've shopped at a, if you've eaten in a McDonald's franchisee's restaurant, does that mean you've been an MLM customer? Nope. No, because it's not multi-level. Well, it might be slightly multi-level. Absolutely, it's multi-level. <laughs> <laughs> Someone can own multiple and sub-franchise, but it, it's very different to an you, MLM. If you, if you have a franchise, you don't make your money based on recruiting other people. <laughs> you make your money solely on the product. So, um, yeah, so anyway, Mark, have you joined any MLMs lately? Why are you asking me? Why aren't you asking anybody else on the call? Why? Yes, yes, I have. I've joined an MLM recently, but it's all Susan's fault, isn't it, Susan? Well, no. I'm gonna. I'm <laughs> going to say you put the you put the thing out into the universe. How's that for making talk? You put it out on the podcast that you were interested. So I just sent you a follow up as a good salesperson of any type should do. And then you were stupid enough, I think is the term we're going to use, to um, take me up on that dare. And it's cost you, what, 45 bucks so far? $45, which for an MLM is pretty damn cheap. But yes, it all started when you sent me an email, which um, I'm going to read the beginning of it here. Dear Mark, <laughs> I was so pleased to hear on your latest podcast that you're interested in becoming a scrapbooker and or card maker. It's a great way to preserve your memories rather than have them languish on your phone to be lost at Google or Apple's whim. Now, I have to ask at this point, do you get this? Is this a cookie cutter thing that you get delivered or did you write this yourself? I'm a fiend. 
didn't. I wrote that myself. <laughs> Hang on. Did you write it or did GPT write this? Let's just clarify no, again. I absolutely wrote it myself. This is all you. Wow. This was really well written and obviously well <laughs> enough written that I think within five minutes of receiving it, I had signed up for close to my heart, right? That, that's what I'm a member of. I've got to remember the cult that I've joined most recently. Correct. There's so many of them, it gets confusing. But so this, this scrapbooking, when you said it was $45 and that I get my $45 back Correct. with a caveat, right? What was the caveat about my $45? You have to spend it on their product or so, close to my heart product. Yeah. So it's $45 in CTMH cash you described. Correct. <laughs> Which is Correct. store credit for scrapbooking, but yeah, I I figured it was well worth it. If you know, if I can get, and it turns out I was wrong, but I thought at the time if I can get forty five dollars worth of googly eyes, then <laughs> I've done well out of this. <laughs> turns out googly eyes is not scrapbooking; it's crafting, and I got the wrong thing. <laughs> to be fair, that these things come and go, and there have been googly eyes in the past, but you've just missed it. But if yeah. they yeah. could come, they stay, hang around long enough, and they could come back. But wait a minute, Mark. But but wait a minute, Mark. If you yep. want to pick up scrapbooking skills, you can scrapbook your own googly eyes. Correct. What do you mean, scrapbook my own googly eyes? Can you, you unpack can make that them for yourself? Me? Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. What? Like, but will they really Google? Will they shake around? Of course. Whoa. Okay. This is blowing my mind. But anyway, so yes, yeah, so so I joined this close to my heart um, because. Uh, you know, of all the MLMs I could join, this one's going to be one of the least predatory. It is probably one of the cheapest that's out there. And for me, I love the idea that it, it's an experience that I can now say that I've joined an MLM and I can get a little feel for what happens when you join, how much pressure is there in order to sell product and what are what are all these benefits and perks and what are my targets that I have to get to and how much pressure is there going to be not just for selling the product, but for signing up other people because the defense that most MLMs have is that, oh, no, 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 we're not a pyramid scheme because we're focused on selling the product and we're not focused on building your downline. And for anybody that's not clued up on MLMs, your downline is the people you sign up under you. And it's, you know, it, it's a shape that's very pyramid shaped, despite the fact that MLMs say they're not pyramid schemes. And so the, the two ways of making money are either you sell product yourself, or you get people to sign up under you that sell product or sign up people under them, and you get a portion of the money that they make. Now, Bronwyn, what is that called when you make that money? Is there a name for it? Commission? Commission. There we go. I was thinking residual. I, I figured that probably wasn't the right word, though, but you, you get it commission. It, it depends. I mean, if you build a big enough of a pyramid under you, then you can sort of, you know, it, people do use the language of residuals, but there's a lot of borrowing of proper and accurate business language into these MLM structures, particularly if you're looking at things like the Amway, Monet. Yeah. So I think so, I think uh, given that uh, you're Susan's only downline, I think she's got a cylinder scheme going, not a pyramid <laughs> scheme. So so this was a revelation to me that when when you told me when I signed up under Susan that that I, I'm your only I'm your only downline. Have you ever tried to recruit anybody I, I, in the past, I, or you never went near? Never it? I've never tried. Hundred um, percent honesty on the table. I am not a fan of MLMs myself either, and. I never had any interest in having a downline. So thanks for that. Appreciate it. <laughs> because, you know, I am supposed to talk to you about how you're going to grow your business. So if we can okay. have that discussion now, then I can tick that off. Let, let's do that on the podcast live and you can tell your upline that you've done your duty and I can get the real experience. Well, through a, a series of events, I don't actually have an upline, a direct upline. So, oh, um, Are you orphaned in this MLM? I, um, yes, absolutely orphaned. I have never tried to sell anybody. Actually, I've never really tried to sell anybody anything. I tell people what I think that they um, might use from what they tell me, and that's as, that's as far as my selling technique goes. I was always intended, I just wanted the 25% off, really, when it comes down to it. That's why I agreed to sign up when I did it. Okay. So, I mean, from what I can see, and I'm, I'm not a scrapbooking expert, I will be the first to admit, but when I tried <laughs> to spend like my $45 and when I looked through the website, 
that it seemed quite expensive. Like I, you know, I'm a regular at Pete's Emporium where I can get my cheap googly eyes and and the other shops that we have in Porra. Um, and I, when I looked at what was available on Close to My Heart, it seemed quite expensive for what it was. But is it not? Is it good quality stuff that is worth the money that you're paying? In my opinion, yes, yes, and I say that in all honesty. Um, if you, if I mean, this now sounds like a sell line. But if you're going to um, memorialize your photos for future generations, you want that stuff to last. That so, does sound like you're trying to sell on honest, the heart that was good. That, that was really good. Look, I, I can make up the bullshit with the rest of them. But no, seri- seri- I mean, I'm being seriously true. If you're going to, um, you know, if you want to state this stuff to generations, you don't want it to fall apart. And if you go to, what do you call it, Pete's Emporium? and it falls apart or your photos deteriorate because the glue on the back of the photo um, melts away your photo, then you kind of, that's where you could be wasting your money. All right. So it's good quality products. Now, by you selling it and you do sell it to other people, you get 25% off. So that, as As far as you're concerned, is good for you. But you can also make money from the sales as well? Yes. Yes. So... Obviously, everybody else that I sell to pays full price, so I get 25% of whatever they buy. So that covers my scrapbooking, which is what Craig wanted when I agreed to sign up to stop having money go out the door. That's because he needs to buy all his expensive camera expensive equipment. Scrapbooking. <laughs> well, yes, indeed. well, indeed. I'm not seeing the money back from the camera equipment, and let's face it, when we're talking about costs... Um, it's fair to say that his camera equipment's a bit more expensive than mine. We'll be we'll be editing I, this bit out. I I agree. As a photographer, uh, those costs, <laughs> even if you are trying to DIY your uh, you know your light tubes or your light brushes, expensive. Yeah. Yeah, Greg, you are not editing this out. This little family <laughs> tip, perfect material. Now, okay, given that you're selling this stuff, Susan, and yeah. I, I, I did a little bit in my um, article that I wrote for the newsletter about the different levels, and I tried to get my head around it. And Bronwyn's great at this. Every article she's written for the newsletter, she breaks down exactly how much it's going to cost. And I, I always get lost because even her description is like, well, well, now hang on. So how much do I have to sell to my second level with? in three months and uh, but with mm-hmm. this one it seems relatively simple and i see there's a bunch of titles which go from i think i'm a i'm a something maker i mean i've not sold anything you would yet, just right? be a maker yes i'm correct. just a maker but a maker. we i can which go is, up through which is the old term for it you're a consultant really oh, oh consultant okay. that was the that was the old term yeah right so now i'm a maker but i can go up to mm-hmm. advocate influencer mm-hmm. specialist mentor innovator and then founder. And then I think if you have a downline, you can add premier to those titles until and, and you get the right to number founder. of downlines. Yeah. And if you get if you get to founder, which is seven thousand dollars a month and seventy mm-hmm. plus in your downline, you get called presidential founder. I mean, that's an amazing title. But my question to you is where on this scheme are you? You you must have some kind of rank. I, I, I do. I I do fluctuate. It depends on because the titles don't stay forever obviously so it depends on what you do but i am currently and i looked it up today before our meeting so there's preparation for you i am a mentor you are a mentor okay see now i get to see how much money how you're much making you spend, out of this yeah. which is what i'm really interested in um, <laughs> well, I, I, I can tell you honestly this month um i'm not ashamed to say that i uh, i'm not going to say i sold three thousand dollars worth but i definitely bought three thousand dollars worth that's now, between you buying and other people buying. Craig's yes, having absolutely. a heart attack in the background, Absol- by the way. <laughs> now, Susan, I have a question because with a lot of these MLMs, their founders have a history in doing other MLMs. So the name of the founder of uh, Close to the Heart is Jeanette Linton. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. And what's her history? At, or was this her first and only MLM? I, I cannot say whether it's her first and only, but I do know that Close to My Heart has been running for more than 25 years and she was the founder. Okay. And has anyone left close to my heart to go off and do other MLMs? Because there are like other stationary MLMs like Stamping Up. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it, 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 so yeah, Stamping Up. Just, just for a full, full um, open and thick. My sister, who is a card maker, is a Stamping Up, whatever whatever the 
um, terminology is. But again, the same as what I started, which was if you're going to buy the product and you can get it 25% off by signing up for it, well, why wouldn't you? If, so, if, you, can, if you can meet their targets. So personally for you, obviously, you, you're, you have an understanding that getting a downline and, and cultivating this is not the best part of an MLM. In fact, it's probably one of the worst parts. You don't do it. Are you worried at all that maybe some of your customers might be interested in then becoming a member and building their own downline? Are you worried that you, know, you might be getting other people hooked on this drug? <laughs> I used to, the, the lady I started buying off, I used to call her my... Um, my drug supplier. <laughs> um, but sh- should one of my customers, like you, Mark, should somebody want to become a close to my heart thing, then they can sign up. They would automatically sign up under me if they wanted to, or they could sign up under someone else. My theory is if you want to, if you want to do the work involved, then good luck to you. Go for it. But most of my customers and I have more than a handful, I'll be honest to say. Just just want to go once a month and scrapbook with some like-minded people and have a bit of a laugh, and that's all there is to it. This takes a lot of work as well, I understand. I mean, you you have to run events and, and get people to come along. Is it How much of your time does this take? Uh, it was some, some months more than others. So we have a monthly scrapbooking it's now really just sell like a sales pitch, a monthly scrapbooking get together. So about between, depending on the month, between 15 and 25 ladies come along for a, a, a full day session of, of which there's product available for them to buy there and then. <laughs> and they, which is why sometimes I can spend $3,000, but not actually spend three, you know, get $3,000 in. So, but the other months it's the other way around. Yeah, people just come along and they scrapbook or make cards and have a chat and have a lot, have a coffee. And that's, you know, just for some people, it's one of their only days out. Yeah. Okay. So this seems like you you have found kind of the least bad end. I mean, I imagine it like what we know of MLMs as skeptics is that mm. even for the best of MLMs, most people don't make back the money that they invest in the first place. Um, I imagine this one will probably be an exception. You know, it only cost me $45. So it's it's not a huge investment straight away. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, it, I still worry about the idea of promoting a business model that for the majority of people that get into it, it doesn't leave them better off. It leaves them worse off, right? I, I think I think the difference, and this is probably, this is, oh, I'm going to say it's probably a biased point of view, but, but the difference with doing a crafty hobby like this and actually using the product as opposed to what I see some MLMs, which is like which one were you involved in, Craig? Amway or, you know, the pants yeah. that went crazy yeah, a couple yeah, of years yeah. ago? Oh, yeah, that's LuLaRoe. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say Lululemon, but I knew that was wrong. LuLaRoe, all of those, they're encouraged to buy more than they can actually use. Yes. So Herbal Life, I think, is one where it, it's infamous that people have garages full of product that they can't get rid of. Yeah. And that that requirement to sell, I mean, certainly to keep your title in this one, it seems like there's a requirement, but there are there are others I've seen like USANA who sell vitamins. They have this thing where you cannot make any money from any of your sales or any of your downline unless you're buying at least $300 a month of personal vitamins. Um, wow. they, they have this rule that unless you're buying yourself, and of course, that, that really blurs the line between multi-level market and pyramid because technically they argue that what we're not selling is the opportunity to take part in the pyramid. We're selling vitamins, but people are only buying the vitamins because if they don't, they don't take part in this pyramid scheme. They don't get to make the money that's flowing up the pyramid unless they're personally consuming. And so it really is a sneaky one. The other one they did that's really weird in USANA is they have this rule, like think to try and make themselves look good, which is you can only sign up two people on your downline. And presumably for close to my heart, you can have as many immediate downlines as you like. Absolutely. Well, this, as you just said, you can have 70. Uh, yes, but I, I presume that's not just, is that just direct downlines or can that be direct and like second, third level? I, I assume it's second, third level. And, and as I said, I've never had any interest in having a downline. Mark, you may be my one and only. Um, <laughs> so I've never looked into it and I've, it, it's never been forced upon us or 
or anything. So, Oh, that's good. But so for USANA, what they do is they say you can only have two legs to your downline. But if you want more, you can make both of those legs yourself. And then each of those legs can have two downlines. So now you can sign up for <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just that. Yes, and it's like yeah, terrible, it's it? some kind of mental gym, gymnastics to get around <laughs> this. It was all a little bit weird. Um, but so, Susan, if somebody did come up to you and say, "I want to be your downline," would could you say no? Would you say no? Would you try to dissuade them from being a part of this pyramid? I I'm a reasonably honest person. I like to think, and I would explain to them. Um, had you come to me, Mark, I would have said the same thing to you. Are you, are you going to be able to um, continually meet the requirements to stay a, a maker? And if not, there's other opportunities. You can become a, a what we have is a, a VIP, obviously a very important person that you could be, that you get a percentage off just by being a VIP instead. So there are options where you don't have to sell or, or buy a full, you know, a, a, sorry, an amount each month. Right. So for, for me as a member now, there is an expectation that I should be selling. There's yeah. there's for me to stay a maker, I need to be selling some product, which is or buying myself. Yeah. If I just bought myself, hundred percent buying yourself is absolutely. And there is a lot of ladies who and that's how I did it. I wanted to um I was making I was spending enough to each month to well, you're already making you're already spending that much money. Why not sign up? you know, $45 and then you can get 25% off. So it, 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 it was kind of financially irresponsible for me not to sign up. And I, and I don't mean that in a, in a you know, a, a stupid way. It really was. Craig will tell you, I used to spend a quite a bit of money. So why not make it 25% cheaper and get, or at least get 25% more product? Nice. Well, Mark, uh, you better get selling. Otherwise your name is going to be mud in the MLM world. I, I think my name is going to be VIP by the sounds of things, but <laughs> VIP sounds great. I'm kind of happy with that. You, you, um, will, you will drop down to a VIP by not um, making your totals. Okay, so that, that'll happen. I'm, I will mentally prepare myself for this crash from lofty heights of maker <laughs> to VIP. I mean, VIP sounds better That's than maker. Risk. It sounds like a promotion in my head. I'm going to be happy. Mark, the um, sky's the limit. Don't limit yourself to just... <laughs> But just being a maker, you too can be an executive super diamond leader. Hey, Bronwyn, would you like a set of um, transfers that say live, love, laugh that you can stick in a book? Because I could sell you some. I'd like to I'd like to experience you trying to sell that to me. I, I want to see what I want to see every dirty trick you pull out to sell now, that to me. Now, Mark, as you're up line, I'm going to have to say that live, life, love thing. You could have that on a T-shirt, too. It doesn't have to be a vinyl thing you could put it on a t-shirt doesn't have to be on paper okay so i can get an iron on transfer and do it myself you're saying 100 we have t-shirt making capabilities now i mean oh wow i i'm wearing i wear black it's dark as my soul do you have something a little bit more cynical (laughs) um i made myself a t-shirt the other day that said um what did it say Craig? The, um, yes, one of them is fake. The other one tried to kill me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Props. As, as um, most of your listeners know, because Craig told everybody, I went through cancer last year. So one of them's fake and I've got a T-shirt that proves it. Wow. You are owning that. I love that. Um, it's true. So so back to me joining an MLM and, <laughs> and my expectations around it. I expected to be bombarded by emails. And at first, this definitely happened. Like, I think I got four emails in the first two hours, if not less. And, you know, they were welcoming me and giving me videos I could watch and, and trying to explain with the online office, they call it, how the business structure works. And this is where I could get to a bunch of PDFs that showed me everything. But the emails did slow down after that. I don't think I've seen any like in a while now but um I but yeah am i am i expected I to use more? the sale well, okay sale over the weekend so um so the next thing i'm expecting will it be an email telling me i've been demoted or, or am i going to get chased up to build my downline to start selling product is anybody going to come after me it doesn't sound like you are but am i expecting <laughs> the founder to like personally email me soon or something um i i doubt it i doubt it okay all right, so I, I, I can I think, rest. I think you're going to be unharassed. 
Um, having said that, as somebody upline away from me did say to me that she had seen that I had a downline now and wanted to know whether, um, and I said, don't send him an email. So, <laughs> so I literally stopped you from getting one. Thank you. I, I think in, uh, it's also kind of disappointing. You know, you've, you've taken away part of my experience, but I can't <laughs> say I blame you. I mean, who knows what I might have emailed back. <laughs> that is my true concern. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, probably, probably the, the, thing I would have been most likely to do is to be overly thankful and effusively kind. <laughs> and like, I, it would be dripping with sarcasm to anybody that knows me, but to this person, it probably would have seemed very genuine and, and a little bit weird. Um, okay. So, so you've blocked one attempt to, you know, get me a little bit more involved. Thank you very much. Um, I, I was wondering though, and I, I think I said in the newsletter article that like this is this is the easy end of MLMs. This seems to be a very chilled out experience. And and now I've got my first taste. Do I go and find myself a male oriented MLM? Do I go and find something that is going to hard sell me? It, it's kind of tempting, but I don't know what to do. I think, yeah, Mark. Tons, tons I, of suggestions. Tons of suggestions. I, I, think, <laughs> I think you could found a Google Wise MLM. <laughs> That'd be cool. Bronwyn, what, so what male-oriented MLMs are out there? Well, a lot of them that go into the financial side of things. So they're teaching you how to sell courses or it's the crypto bros, oh. Q Sciences, <laughs> iGenius. Okay. I mean, there's women who are part of it. Like one of the famous teams or was a famous team in the iGenius was WFAB. And they, that was a team comprised of a bunch of former sellers from Monet who came over as a group. But um, no, it's the financial stuff where you see more of the bros. But at the same time, I mean, you know, in, say, LuLaRoe, there was a contingent of very, very popular male sellers um, who were called Lulu Bros. <laughs> so if you have yeah. the right personality and you can get yourself on camera and run, your, you know, your teachings or your sales online. You know, I'm now trying to imagine... Killing. I'm now trying to imagine Mark in one of those, uh, you know, stretchy pants. <laughs> it, this is what I was thinking. Like, I, I might have the personality. I'm not sure I've got the body type to pull off LuLaRoe leggings. Well, I mean, you don't really need to wear them. I mean, you have a part, you have someone who models like Karen or, you know, one of your kids. And that's, you know, you're just showing the pattern because it's a lot about what it looks like. It's the pattern that was very popular about LuLaRoe. And with LuLaRoe, of course, it's as long as the pattern doesn't look like you've got a penis in your trousers or a <laughs> hamburger mean, so, that looks like a vagina. Sometimes that was, well, I mean, you know, you wouldn't, sellers wouldn't get those patterns. Those patterns would just show up in your mailbox. <laughs> that it, was the to thing. an extent, it was, it was potluck with LuLaRoe, right? You just got sent a set of clothes and they did a limited run of each of their patterns. So you never knew what you were going to get. Yeah. And, I, I think there were some, you know, if you were savvy, you could, do the trades, you know, someone have the unicorn pattern and you people will be searching for the unicorn pattern. And that that documentary series for anybody that's not watched it, if you're interested in just how weird MLMs could get, it's it's a good one. I mean, there are other stranger MLMs, but um, it's a Netflix documentary, so it's well produced and it does give you a good view into how it kind of became a craze. I mean, people were doing really silly things to try and get in on it. And it, it seems obvious from the outside that it wasn't sustainable. Mm. But it's really interesting. It's one of those MLMs that did not come to New Zealand. You know, whereas something like Unique did and Monet is here. So why not LuLaRoe? That's kind of, for me, that's a bit of a mystery. Why they didn't make it to, uh, yeah, Australasia. Did they make it to other countries? Did they make it to the UK or other parts of Europe, for example? Oh, I'm not, I don't quite recall. They were certainly very, very big in the US, but maybe I wonder if that's because they just blew up so quickly. Because yeah, there are so many cards. more. There's so many more MLMs and particularly that family has been the source of about three or four other MLMs. Okay. But the the idea of clothing MLMs was also kind of new to me. Like, you know, you've got Norwex for cleaning products and you've got a whole bunch of them for vitamins and other stuff and Herbalife and, and all this stuff. But are there many clothing MLMs out there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, a Savvy, a Zaya. I'm not sure if Zaya became Savvy, but there's an there was an activewear MLM that sort of, you know, came to prominence and then died. Um, but I think probably with clothing, it's really, you know, getting the right size and dealing with returns can be a little bit um, of a hazard, which is part of the problem that MLM with um, LuLaRoe, because people wanted to return those pants. And there was, you know, you buy a lot of these products, you buy that inventory, and initially it was 100% buyback. And then when that 
went away, people were just left with this massive amount of debt and clothes that no one wanted because the fad passed. On the other hand, if you're getting people to buy ketones and food and pharmaceutical products, you know, there's no buyback. You know, if you open it, you, you can't buy it back. You can't send it yeah. back. You can't return it. So it's a different level just of risk. Say, just a little correction there. Um, it's not a Netflix documentary. It was on Amazon Prime about the LuLaRoe. Oh, really? That's weird because I don't I don't have a subscription to Amazon Prime and yet I've watched it. Hmm. I wonder how that happened. I wonder was, how... was, it, was it TVN? Was it, was it NZ On Demand? I thought it might have been on NZ On Demand for a little bit. Oh, um, it could have been. I might have borrowed it from the internet lending library. You know that? <laughs> you're a you you wink, wink, one-eyed nautical friend. Hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought you were talking about my penis for a second there, but that's weird, isn't it? Um, but on the topic of documentaries, there's going to be a really interesting one um, released on uh, on Prime Video in on June 2nd, which would be June 3rd here, which is called Shiny Happy People. And if you want to look at a different sort of cult, that's the one that's going to be looking at the Institute of Basic Life Principles and a little bit more into the Duggar family and all the problems that are about the religious structure that sort of um, that they're from. Oh, Okay, that's a good one to shine a light on. That mm. is cool. So if, um, you're gonna, if, if you're into cults and you wonder what's all this chatter about the Duggars and shiny happy people, they're not talking about our, the REM song. They are talking about this documentary. I'm sure that song will feature in the documentary, though. Oh, I Surely. wonder. So I, I guess I guess one of the questions to come out of this is, um, should you join an MLM? And I, I'm going to say the answer is still no, even though this one has treated me very well so far. I feel loved. I feel accepted. Um, I feel like I've still got $45 to spend and I have no idea what I'm going to spend it on, but I will probably work with my daughter. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, I honestly, I'm happy to spend it like $45 is not much. It's an acceptable cost. And maybe just maybe one of my daughters will be interested in scrapbooking. I haven't actually asked them yet. I did tell my wife, I I said, um, so Karen, and she's like, what have you done now? And I'm like, Oh, I've joined an MLM. And she's like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Did she call you a dick? Because that's what I called you. <laughs> no, 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 no. With my wife, it's, she's very English, so it's it, you've just got to look for the eye roll. It's very <laughs> passive aggressive, but I know when I've done something silly. Well, Mark, you would have to sign your daughter's up as downline. <laughs> oh, that would be no, no, that would be awful. I'd be imagine like getting your kids into an MLM. No, because then they might go and find a nefarious one. They might find one of the worst ones that would pressure them to sign their downlines up and get their downlines to sell more. It happens so much. You know, I've had friends join MLMs where it just becomes their whole life and it seems to be quite unhealthy at the times. Although Mm -hmm. not that I'm saying that it shouldn't be a whole life, Susan. If scrapbooking is your whole life, then that's fair enough. Is it your whole life? Oh, she, please, she's can going you see to... behind me? What do we look? Is that boxes of scrapbooking stuff I see? Like a whole like floor to ceiling shelves of, yeah. oh mm-hmm. my goodness. But all very well organized. I'm, I'm impressed. Jeez, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, is there room for you in this house? And for how much longer uh, will there luck, be? Luckily, she just leaves it in her office. It all fits <laughs> in my office. Nice. Yeah. And the trailer. But we're we're going we're going to the mothership of the MLM next next month. <laughs> oh um, yes, I'd totally forgotten about this aspect. So so you guys are flying to the US because mm-hmm. of some kind of close to my heart convention that's now not <laughs> happening anymore? Is that is that what I heard? That, that's not why we were flying to the US. We're flying to the US because Craig wanted to go to a conference. And whilst we were there, somebody I put out a request to the people at Close to My Heart in the Facebook group and said, for those of you who have been to Salt Lake City, what can you do there? And somebody said to me, you know, our conference is on. So we kind of changed our plans around to accommodate that. And then, yeah, unfortunately, COVID struck again and they couldn't get the numbers that they wanted to make it a a worthwhile proposition so they've decided to go online so there'll still be a conference but it's just online but as a an understanding that people like us had already paid for their tickets close to my heart are going to give us a a day at their office and show us around and do that kind of thing instead 
So is it an office or is it a factory? Like, do they make their own the, stuff? The, or? They they make some of it and they obviously buy some of it in, but some of it's made. So it's a factory and a um, and an office. Mm. It's close to my heart and stamping up and not very far apart, apparently, <laughs> which is I'm, I'm assuming that Utah is the is very good to those kind of companies. It it is MLM mecca from mm. what we can tell. It's it's quite surprising. So Craig, what's this conference that you're going to? Is this Amway? What what what's your <laughs> half of this trip? <laughs> no, I'm going to a technical conference. I'm going to what's known as NGConf, which is the uh, Angular conference, um, which is the front end framework that I do the majority of my software development work in. And th- this is just to differentiate. This is Angular, not Angular JS, right? Well, Angular JS is the the predecessor to Angular. It's a technical joke, but yeah, I, I figured maybe one or two of our yeah. audience would get it that they're right. different versions of the same product. Sure, anyway. sure, yes, indeed, indeed. So yes, I'm going to that. That's uh, starts on June the thirteenth to the fifteenth, and then uh, then we head up to Canada for a few days, and then we go back to Salt Lake City so that Susan can go to her conference, which is no longer happening. Anyway, it'll be fun. Nice. Okay. I'm going so, out and taking photos. But it, but so it does I, mean that he won't be here for the next couple of um, of your podcasts. Yeah, this is what I need to clear up. Is like it's all well and good you having a holiday, but this means I have to take over for a, a couple of episodes. So am I doing like four newsletters and two podcasts without you? That does seem to be the case. Ah, and does that start next week? Are you away on Sunday? Or do you want to do one last newsletter before you go? I can do one last one. Oh, nice. If you do two in a row, that's great. That that thank you. Oh, so guys, there you go. You heard it here first. You're gonna oh, get hang, another hang newsletter on, hang from Craig. By new next Sunday. <laughs> which Sunday are you talking about? This one or next the one after this one? No, you can do the one after, after this one. I can do the awesome. one after, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So I'll do this Sunday, you do next Sunday, and then I've got Four weeks of cranking out content. It's all right. I've I've got some cool stories. Bronwyn, are you ready to do the uh, audio special episode in a few weeks? Oh, I I think I am. I better get my uh, listicles ready. Nice. So I I've got a couple of articles. One mostly written about backmasking, and I've got another one about binaural beats that I want to write because I think they're both fascinating audio related topics. And I can probably rag on audio files again. I mean, that's like shooting fish in a barrel, people spending $10,000 a meter for oxygen-free shielded copper cables, honestly. People do that anymore. Yeah. yeah, I know it was all the rage back in the 80s because that's when I started reading about it. But No, not only that. No, you've even got the people that are saying about how they only play vinyl because analog is a truer fidelity signal because... Because something I hasn't don't know, been sampled, right? Like, like, yeah, like it hasn't been through eight different digital pieces of equipment between recording and being scratched onto a piece of vinyl or pressed, mm. I guess. Exactly. Uh, so we were just going to talk about the conference, uh, just to give that a little bit of a promotion. So we've got the Skeptics Conference coming up in November in Dunedin. So we have got definite dates and a definite venue, and we are um, solidifying the speaker list that's going to be on the 24th to the 26th of November, so that's a starting as we did on a Friday night with a social event, and then uh, the Saturday and the Sunday will be the uh, conference sessions. Uh, Saturday night we will have a nice dinner somewhere, um, and we are going, the venue is in Dunedin at the Settlers Museum. Settlers Museum, yes, the Settlers Museum. It actually does have a, a Maori name, uh, which I don't want to mangle. Uh, I, I think so, it's Toitu? Toitu, that's the one, yes. Well pronounced, Roman. I can do it, I can do it right some of the time, not all of the time. <laughs> Um, so uh, we don't have a website up yet, but I'm I'm told on good authority that uh, somebody in this podcast might be able to work on that over the next uh, few weeks to get it up and running. Uh, so yep, that we can start can. booking Just tickets. Start giving um, me and, the data and I'll sort it out. And in terms of speakers, somebody has let the cat out of the bag, but 
uh, it turns out that uh, Susan Gerbic is flying in from the US to attend our conference. And wasn't um, it Susan Gerbic that let the Susan Gerbic cat out of the Susan Gerbic bag? Yeah, might well have been. But yes, Susan Gerbic will be here for our conference. Uh, we will have a whole bunch of other great speakers, which will be announced, obviously, in due course. But we can't uh, we can't name them yet. Uh, but uh, I would encourage anybody who would like to to come to get in and uh, book some flights and accommodation early. That way, you get the the best prices. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Should be should be a good weekend. Hopefully, the weather will be nice to us as well. That far south uh, is the weather ever nice? I think it can be very nice down, okay. down away from Auckland. So, what have we got? Events going on around the country coming up? Yep, quite a few. Um, on June second, which is this Friday, we have our regular Wellington Skeptics in the Pub that begins at six fifteen. Uh, inside the Intercontinental Hotel in their lobby lounge on 2 Gray Street. Do not go to the 2 Gray Street restaurant next door. We won't be there. You'll be eating by yourself. Hang on, hang on. 6.15? When did we change the starting said, time? They say 6.15. I thought I said 6 o'clock. No, it's 6.15. 6 okay, okay, no. No, it's 6 o'clock. Sorry. <laughs> Shall I say that again? No, no, no it's it. all good. No, it's, it's much more. Warts and all. It's fine. It wrong. <laughs> We have Auckland Skeptics in the Pub happening next week on June the 6th. That's Tuesday at the Dice and Fork starting at 7pm. I will be there. Hope to see some other podcast listeners there as well. And June the 8th then it'll be. If, you said the 6th was a Tuesday? Yes, because we've got uh, King's Birthday uh, oh, happening yeah. this weekend, haven't we? So the 8th of June on Thursday at the Falkenburr in Wellington, there is skeptical activism or science-based healthcare activism, um, complaining, basically complaining about everything. Come and join me and submit a complaint. Get a free beer if it's your first one. But it's just a nice chilled out evening, chatting, complaining, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I really want to complain about the king. I don't like the king. I don't. Is he our king? I don't know. But yeah, I, king's birthday. <sighs> I'd rather have a secular holiday that isn't celebrating some ridiculous, outdated way of um, of ruling a country or a, a dominion, whatever they call it, a commonwealth. Can we yes, have something maybe a bit more of a meritocracy, please? Isn't there wasn't there a sort of a celebration for the first manned space trap space journey across the around the Earth? Wasn't there? Wasn't that sort oh. of a little uh, one time celebration for Yuri Gagarin? Yeah. Well, yeah, right, it would be I, nice. I, I celebrated that once with some friends. Um, they were able to get like a, a video that was sort of, you know, here's a journey. It wasn't the actual video, of course, but it was just sort of, you know, here's what it's like, you know, circumnavigate the planet. Yeah, what I've got like. that documentary. It's just they 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 made it a few years ago, I think maybe for the 50th anniversary, where they show what he would have seen as he went around the planet. Yeah, I think that was it. So and we so we celebrated it. That's what we did. Nice. Hmm. But uh we do have one other event. Um, it's the Need and Skeptics in the Pub who will also be meeting on June 8th, the Thursday at 6 p.m. And they'll be at Umbrellos. So if you want to, you know, voice your ideas and suggestions regarding the conference, I am sure that the Need and Skeptics in the Pub would be very, very receptive. I'm sure they would. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I, I've just received a WhatsApp message from a scam. I, I seem to have a lot of these things in my life at the moment, but MetaTrade, uh, they currently, they keep trying to phone me. They phone me from the UK. I've had a chat with them before. They would like me to sign up for their scheme, which apparently is going to make me a whole lot of money. And I keep dragging them along, but they, they're very persistent trying to sign me up for this nonsense. I don't even know how I got on their list, but... Yeah, I don't oh, know whether there's if any... If you've been dragging them along, that's why they keep calling you. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know whether there's any opportunity for me to do anything bad for them because it's obviously a scam. It's obviously bad. But, you know, often I try and waste their time so they're not accidentally or deliberately pulling anybody else into it. Um, but with this one, I don't know. They're starting to get annoying. They they really are more persistent than even the cults that I've joined. And it's it's frustrating. <sighs> But well, yeah, I can't help myself. Just don't it's, sign it, up under a deer. 
yeah, you think I'd have learned my lesson, but no, no, I, I did submit my application or unofficial application. My, my first expression of interest to the Freemasons um, recently. So I'm waiting to hear back from them. I, that one's going to be fascinating. I'm really looking forward to it. I, yeah. I hope they accept me as one of their own. Well, if they do any research, they wouldn't. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> but honestly, that, that's another article I'm going to write, is how these groups should do their homework and how seldom they actually do it. I, I think it's really interesting how they don't look up people that try to join them and figure out who they are. All right. You have been listening to the Year Now podcast. If you would like to give us some feedback, we will gladly accept your email to podcast at skeptics.nz unless it contains a pitch for an MLM. No, no, send me your pitches for MLMs, podcast at skeptics.nz or just mark at honeychurch.org. Send me all your MLM invites. I am really interested. And I'm always keen for people to send me information about the various uh, high manipulation and coercive groups that exist in New Zealand. So you can get me at Brawan at skeptics.nz. All right. We and, will see and nobody wants to write to Craig. <laughs> no, I'm not no. giving out my email address. <laughs> Craig doesn't want anybody to write to him. That That's no. how it's going. I'm busy enough as it is. Right. Anyway. <laughs> Good night, all. Thank you for joining me. Uh, We'll see you all next time. Bye. Sayonara. Bye. Susan, you're muted. See ya. (laughs) You could just leave that big pause in. It would be fine. Just a really (laughs) uncomfortable pause. I I, I was still waiting for my thank you for um, joining you, but apparently that isn't a thing, (laughs) even though I'll write another letter of complaint to skeptics. Yeah, I I think if I thanked you, I might just encourage you to go and do it again, and that's not good. Uh, You've started a trend now, Mark. Oh, oh no, now I'm starting to feel guilty. Do not sign anyone else up. I, I'm your one and only. You'll make me feel less special if you go signing other people up. It should be just me. Me and you, this special connection we have through scrapbooking. It, it's, it's beautiful. Has Craig scrapbooked? Have you, have you convinced him to partake? Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh. I have to provide the photos. I actually. To yeah. Put in the scrapbook. He, there is he, that. I was going to say, he does the photo. Have you ever thought of writing like a, a virtual JavaScript-based scrapbooking app where you can just like pull transfers and things onto? I don't have time. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. You do have time for editing. Go. I know. Yes. All right.